Hello and welcome. This is Pagan Spirituality Today, episode number two. I'm your host, Kveldrida. I'm so glad that you've joined me. Uh, this is going to be my Yule episode for 2008. Today's date is December the 14th. But before I get on with the rest of the show, the first thing I have to say is that all of you who struggled through episode one and actually listened to the show, I want to say thank you so very much. My editing skills were basically zero, and I understand the volume was out of control. So I'm very grateful to all of you that struggled through and listened to the show and stuck with it. I'm going to be doing a lot better. I'll be working a lot harder to edit these shows. But the truth is I had gotten to a point with the show where I was disgusted with it, and I was considering deleting it entirely because I could not get the editing right, and I just didn't want to start all over again because I was afraid I would never get started. So we'll call that my training episode, and from now on things are going to go much, much better. So this show's going to be a little different from the first show. I'm going to talk more about me and my own personal experiences, uh, share something about what I do for you, what my family does with you. I'm going to talk about that. Um, I've got a story to tell you about a Yule ritual we did about 11 years ago that I think is interesting. But um, let me just begin by talking about Christmas when I was a kid and, and how that made me feel and what that was like. When I was a child, uh, my mother was religious, but my father was not. We attended a Protestant church. Protestantism is a reform of Catholicism. Well, we went to a reformed Protestant church. It was pretty white bread, milk toast kind of stuff, you know? Straightforward, uh, conservative, boring, mainstream Christianity. But my mother really believed, and we went... I think we probably went every Sunday, but I was pretty young at that time. I don't remember how often we went, but I know that we would go for a Christmas Eve service, and we went on Christmas Day. Uh, and after my mom got sick and died, we stopped going to church. We didn't have really any religious upbringing or education. And I never really felt connected to the Christian holiday season, uh, Easter and all that other stuff, I didn't feel that those days were spiritual. I didn't understand what they were about, but Christmas was something that always connected with me. Um, I think in a lot of ways it had to do with the pageantry. We went to a fairly old church in New Jersey where I grew up, and they would have a candlelit procession with altar boys and things on Christmas Eve, and there'd be candles all over the church, and it was really quite gorgeous. They had an organ in there and be singing and all of that. And even after we stopped going to church, sometimes when I was in my teens, I would go to the uh, Christmas Eve service myself. So my family were, were not interested and I, I didn't really want to share that I was going. It wasn't normal really in my household to uh, be religious after my mother died. So I would sort of do my own Christmas Eve thing, and on Christmas Day we had our material present exchange, but the only day of the year that I felt was truly spiritual was Christmas Eve coming into the beginning of Christmas Day. 
I didn't have to be told it was spiritual. I didn't have to have it explained to me. And I probably would not have agreed with the symbology if it had been explained to me. But it just naturally felt different to me. Of all the days of the year, of all the times of the year. And also, Samhain always felt different to me, but not in a sacred way, in an occult way. I always felt the energy and the, the difference in the world at Samhain than any other day of the year. And Christmas and Christmas Eve was like that, but in a spiritual way. I felt appreciative of my family, even though we didn't always get along. I felt solemn and special and that the time was special and I, I tried very hard to spend Christmas Eve with people that I cared about even after uh, my family didn't really you know celebrate anything together anymore I would celebrate it with my friends or sometimes I would write Christmas cards on Christmas Eve something to remind me that this day was special special to me and when I became a pagan uh, I started practicing Yule and, and the other eight Sabbaths although I was not Originally a Wiccan, I was following the Wiccan calendar, as I didn't know any alternatives at the time. I added some holidays, but I, I had the, the eight major and, and a few extras of my own. But I never felt that really deep, strong connection to any of the Wiccan Sabbaths that I did at Christmas growing up, even Yule itself. I practiced them, I shared experience with people I cared about very much, and enjoyed the rituals in a social sort of way, but they never had the same kind of connectedness that I had just innately felt as a child, had just been attracted to. So, as time went by, and I got married, and my wife and I decided that we were going to change our own pagan practice, and perhaps stop the eight Sabbaths of the year and start doing things on uh, a different basis. We do a minimum of four Sabbaths a year, but in, in reality we do more like 12 or 13. It depends on the year. It varies from year to year. We have been working on a tradition, setting dates and setting what Sabbaths we're actually going to observe. And uh, we came up with the idea that we would do a 12-day Yule which is where you get the 12 days of Christmas from and all of that. And I'm not going to go into the history of Christmas or Yule particularly. There's a lot of people uh, who are going to share that with you, and I'm sure most of you know it already. But the 12 days of Yule is a German concept, as is most of what we think of as Christmas today. The majority of it is Germanic, whether it be Anglo-Saxon or, or pre-Anglo-Saxon. Um, but I can't find any real information on what was contained in those 12 days, with a few exceptions. The first exception is that the first day of Yule, in the Germanic calendar it's celebrated on the night of the 20th or 21st, depending on whether the solstice is uh, 21st or 22nd that year. That first evening is called Mother's Night, where mothers of all kind, human mothers, animal mothers, um, the earth itself who is our mother, are celebrated with milk and cakes and cookies and such things. And it would be traditional for the family to celebrate by staying up all night and honoring motherhood right up until Christmas morning and greeting the dawn on that, the shortest day of the year, 
And there are some other things that go along with it, and you'd go right into about lunchtime. Basically, you just wouldn't sleep for about 40 hours or so. We do practice Mother Night, uh, but we don't stay up all night, and we don't see in the dawn. A 12-day Yule would be very difficult to get, you know, 10 or 12 days off during that time. We do have to work. So we have taken the tradition of the Yule Log and matched it up in a way with the menorah, which the Yule Log initially did anyway. You you uh, had a number of candles, 12 candles, and the Yule Log, and you'd light one for each day of your Yule Tide, ending with 12 lit candles on the 12th day. We changed the orientation. What we did is we put Yule at the center of our 12-day celebration. There are five worship days prior to Yule, the day of Yule, and then six following. And we did it in something of a waning, waxing, magical sort of way. Mother's Night being the first night, there's a day to celebrate children and childhood, a day to celebrate ancestors, a day to banish, uh, or an evening really, to banish things that you want to get rid of in the old year, then comes the solstice, then a number of things going into the new year, divining how things are going to go that year, uh, blessing any new tools, making holy water, cleansing your house, your ritual items, that sort of stuff. But we've given each day a particular significance, and a lot of times all we do is we have the Yule Log set up on the table, and we come home from work and we unwind, we sit down to dinner, we light the candle, we acknowledge what day it is for us in that 12 days. If there's something we need to do or want to do in relation to that day's significance, we do. And if there isn't, if we don't need to bless any new tools or we're not trying to banish anything out of the old year, we simply make an acknowledgement, we do a short prayer, we light the candle, and we move on. We don't force ourselves to do something elaborate. We don't force ourselves to do something that we're not feeling has a particular value at that time. We're simply acknowledging there are 12 days around the time of Yule where we are making a connection or trying to make a connection between ourselves and our ancestors and our family and friends and each other and our gods and setting a little bit of time aside during that 12-day period, just a little bit of our attention. And, you know, it's uh, it's the third year, I think, this year that we're doing it. It might be the fourth now, but I believe it's the third year. We're still working on it. It's a work in progress. We add and subtract things as we think appropriate. Um, but it's having that feeling. It is creating a sense of the season for me that having a one-day Yule never did. And I've gone to the point now where I don't like to go to the store. I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to be out where people are buying things. The materialist nature of Christmas has so bothered me to the extent that we try to buy things for Christmas in September and mail them in October, and we don't think about it again from the point of view of gift-giving and exchange and that sort of thing. We like to get it over with, and we like to try to get to a point where we can feel peaceful and happy and grateful around Yule and think of it as a spiritual time and have all that materialism put behind us well before the actual day of Yule. As I sat down to do this show today, it's Sunday, the 14th, as I said, and our Yule is going to start on the 16th, 
this year, as uh, the actual solstice is the 21st. Well, we have a terrible cold front coming in, and we live on the Washington coast. Temperature is generally very mild throughout the year. It almost never snows. Uh, and when it does snow, it doesn't stick. It has been snowing nonstop all day. It started with large, slow flakes, and now it's very fast and tiny flakes, and the wind is howling. And It's not a good uh, time to be out driving. We've got a whole week of bitterly cold at least bitterly cold for us, weather coming up. But I appreciate it. I really like how this weather is making me feel, how it is making me feel that, that Yule is upon us and uh, winter's here. It gets dark about, oh, 3.45, 4 o'clock in the afternoon at present. We're in a northern latitude here. When it gets dark early, it gets dark early. I mean, it's not Alaska. It's not Norway. But compared to the majority of the United States, it is very dark, very early. We have a truly long, long night in the wintertime. And that's something I was thinking about. The idea of Christmas lights and candles and windows and all that sort of thing. It is a primal idea that humans want to bring light into darkness. We have been doing it since we lived in caves. It is not new. The twinkling Christmas light and the lit-up inflatable snowman in the front yard might be more modern-themed or, you know, a little different in style, but the basic message is the same thing. It is dark. We want to bring some cheer and some festivity into our lives, so we're going to adorn the front yard with 500 lit-up uh, objects or 10,000 lights strapped around the house. It's not something that my wife and I do, generally. We do a little bit of it, but not a whole lot. So here's what I want to say about Christmas lights, you know, on, on the outside of your house or what have you. By the by, they're fine. You know, do whatever it is that you want to do. This is America. You can make your house look like Las Vegas if you want to. But I'm going to tell you why we don't. Originally... The idea of illuminating the darkness, one might put a candle in the window. There are two practices that I know of. One is Celtic in origin and one is German. In the Celtic practice, you would put a candle in the window around Samhain. So the soul of your deceased loved ones could either A, find their way home uh, during the pagan period, or B, would be repulsed away by the light during the Christian period when they told folks that calling the souls back home was a bad thing. And the German practice was around Christmas for the same thing. There was a dual purpose on that. You would set a candle in the window or candles in every window to keep the darkness at bay. You were actively fighting back the darkness. But also, you believed that your ancestors would go roaming at that time, and they could find your house but other people's ancestors, or bad spirits, which are called whites, W-I-G-H-T-S, would be repelled by the light and would stay away from your house. Uh, my wife and I believe in more the German sense of Christmas illumination. Light should be in the house. Light should be for the people living there, for those dwelling there. If you concentrate so much on putting your decorations outside, where it's about impressing your neighbors or trying to make a landing strip for UFOs with your 900 decorations, 
what are you doing to bring that light in the darkness feeling inside? I don't personally want to externalize something that I think should be internal, something that should be about your family and their connection to light in the darkness, uh, and less about something people drive by and admire or envy or try to copy. That's just my opinion, but uh, that's why we don't use a lot of lights. That's why we're not really into that sort of thing. We might do a string of icicle lights or one very small flashing string across the front of the house, but otherwise we're not a big fan of that sort of thing. We would rather concentrate on bringing some evergreen or cedar into the house, uh, burn some extra candles during that time, maybe even turn some of the household lights off and use candlelight a couple of nights a week or a couple of nights in December and January. We are trying to have some sense of fighting back that darkness without the ease of the flick of a light switch. We are trying to recreate a sense of huddling in for the hard time, for the winter. And we know we'll have food. We know that we'll be fine. We live in a modern town in America. We aren't going to starve to death ourselves. Thank the gods for us. Uh, there are a lot of people who are homeless in our town, and, and I can't necessarily say that for them. So I'm definitely grateful that we have what we do. But some sense, some appreciation for what human history has been like from the beginning, what the point of a dying and reborn son really is, why this matters, why this is important. I feel like I want to have that in my life. I want to have that in my spirituality or my religious observance. And that is why we have chosen to do things this way. Um, I just wanted to put out there that there are different ways of looking at Yule. Too many people, in my opinion, just my opinion, are copying everyone else's Sabbaths, reading stuff out of books, copying what other people are doing, and they're not asking themselves, does this observance have the meaning I'm ser searching for? Is this the paganism I would have if I could have anything? Does this replace for me all of those spiritual needs maybe that were met when you were a Christian, you know? I mean, a lot of people have a Christian past, as do I. And it doesn't mean every moment of your life was terrible. It doesn't mean every moment of that religion was meaningless to you. Maybe it was, but it was not for me. It was not for my wife. There were things about it we really adored. But theologically, you know, we can't be part of that. I don't believe in original sin, and uh, that pretty much means you can't be a Christian. There's nothing else to say there. Um, so we're looking for ways to make paganism fit our needs and our emotional desires. And that is how we're solving it right now, at least in reference to Yule. Um, I became a pagan when I lived in Germany. I believe that was 1989. It might have been 88. I get fuzzy on things after a while. But the Germans are a Christian country. But they have, in my opinion, the most incredible, the most beautiful observance of Christmas on the planet, bar none. Um, Europe is great all around. There's a lot of great stuff. Europe is old. Europe has long-standing traditions. They have gorgeous churches and choirs. But 
The Germans in particular, and so much of what we think of as Christmas, is German in nature. I don't imagine that any of you have seen what I'm about to describe, but it's called a German pyramid. It is a wood construction, uh, anywhere from one to four tiers high, and it has little carved wooden figures on it. Um, the platforms are round, generally sometimes hexagonal. And at the top, there is a propeller, a wooden propeller like an airplane. And there are places for candles on the outsides of the platform. And if you light the candles, the hot air rising turns the propeller and makes the figures rotate on the different platforms. These things are gorgeous. If you look up German Pyramid or German Christmas Decoration on Google, it will bring you to a bunch of places that sell these. They're quite expensive, and I'm not suggesting you drop $200 on one, but uh, when I lived there, every shop and every Christmas market, which is called called a Christkindlmarkt, would be an open-air market uh, walled off from cars, you know, a walking market, they would have every kind of gorgeous, simple wooden toys. The Germans are huge on simple wooden toys and simple wooden ornaments, done essentially the way they were done four or five hundred years ago. They haven't changed anything, but they're classic, they're gorgeous, they are unbelievable. Every town has a beautiful little church. Every single church has a choir, whether it's four people or forty people. You can catch a wonderful choral ensemble anywhere in the smallest village and uh it's very holy and it's also easier to kind of forget that it's a christian service when they're singing in german if you don't know the language you can get into the sense of the thing without being derailed by the theology of the thing but the germans have in their cultural expression of christmas what i was looking for in my spiritual expression of yule Something simple and tasteful and beautiful, yet thoroughly filled with meaning. The Christian, uh, excuse me, the Germans are not terribly religious. Most of Western Europe is not, but around Christmas and around Easter, it, it seems like everyone is religious. And the public display of cultural tradition, which is inseparable from religious tradition in many older. Uh, Christian countries in Germany and Norway and what have you, you can't separate culture from religion anymore. They are, they've been intertwined for too long. Yet there are so many pagan elements. There's so many obvious pagan carryovers that were just brought into the, the Christianization of that country. Really, those people are pagan and Christian at the same time, whether they intend to be or not. Culturally, that is definitely what they're doing um and no more is that at no time is that more obvious than during beltane but i'll maybe talk about that when we get around to beltane but uh i was just wanting to mention that i was looking at google today to try and remember what those pyramids were called i didn't think it was something as simple as pyramid i thought it had some fancy german name but uh, apparently it doesn't so anyway i've talked about what I'm doing for Yule, which, by the way, is falling on December 21st at 7.04 Eastern Standard Time, if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, that's us. Um, I talked about how I felt about Yule as a child and why I felt like 
pagan Yule celebrations, and I don't mean all of you that your celebrations don't feel like anything or aren't sufficient to you. I just, I was not finding that internal sense of the sacred that I felt I definitely needed to have. So we're doing something about it. We are trying. Anyway, um, in addition to that, I wanted to share one little story that my wife reminded me of the other day. Something I had entirely forgotten about, but that's not uncommon. I forget about most everything. In 1997 or 1998, we were living in Virginia, and we had a Yule celebration at a local park. It was a state park, but you could camp there. There was a number of sites. In the winter, they closed the majority of the camping area except one small section. Uh, and we rented a campsite, and we decided to do the ritual out there. We did not sleep over, but... Uh, with a campsite, you could have a fire, and that was the main reason for going to that particular place. Lots of other pagans in the area went to that same site. So we went out there, and expecting no one to be there, it turned out I think there were three or four occupied campsites other than ours. And they're not really that far away. I mean, to give you an idea, your car would be parked 40 feet from the next site over. I mean, you could see what the other people were doing. And uh, this was the first dramatic Yule ritual we ever decided to do. And we did it in a Norse way. Uh, I am a Germanic heathen in a very eclectic way. Uh, most of our friends are Wiccans. And at that time, my wife was a, a Wiccan as well. But um, we decided to do a Germanic-influenced Yule. So we had a woman playing the goddess Freya, a man playing the god Thor, and I played the god Odin, of whom I am a long-time worshiper. And uh, there was also a part for a character that is called Frau Hulda, or Frau Bercha, or Frau Percha, which is a German legend. Um, I, I won't say that she's where Santa Claus comes from, but there's an awful lot of Frau Bercha in Santa Claus. She would come around on either Mother's Night or Yule, depending on who you ask, and would check to make sure that the domestic work, the spinning, the weaving... Um, breeding pairs of animals were put up to make sure all of that winter stuff that ensured survival had been done and done right. And if it wasn't, she would punish the family. She actually would carry a whip or a flail or something and would beat the family for not doing the proper thing. But, of course, everyone assumes she's going to find your work sufficient, so she would bring you a little present, a cookie or some little thing, you know. She would uh, hand them out to everybody in the family and it was a way of saying, let your troubles be behind you and let the new year be prosperous and good. So we had someone playing Frau Bercha. We had four ritual participants, as well as a number of other friends present. But we brought a sword for Freya and a little sledgehammer for Thor and a spear for Odin. So we were in ritual costume, which is something uh, we didn't normally do. But we decided we were going to do on this occasion. We really wanted to be dramatic. And as we were setting up, a pair of guys from one of the other campsites kind of sidled over and uh, said, hey, you know, what are you guys doing? I said, well, we're doing Yule. It's a pagan ceremony. We'll be acting it out. And they said, well, um, can we watch? And I said, I, I, I'd be willing to welcome you into the circle. And they said, no, 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 we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. I said, well, if you stand over there, there was a picnic table at the 
extent of our campsite. And I said, if you stand or sit over there and if you're quiet and you don't, uh, you know, make any kind of noise or cause any kind of problem, I don't see why you can't watch. Now, I, I remember we discussed it amongst all of ourselves before that was decided upon and everyone seemed to feel the same way. Why not? I, I don't know what their intent was, but as long as they're not bothering us, what do we care? I mean, we if they walked 10 feet further back, we couldn't have stopped them anyway. It was a completely open camping area. So we said, sure. And we did our ritual. And uh, my wife had learned this complicated magical circle from Gunderson's Teutonic Magic called the uh, Magician Circle, where you cast all 24 of the Elder Futhark of runes in the circle in a particular order and you use that as your uh, sacred space and your protection and all of that. So we did this ritual that probably took 15 minutes. And at the end of the ritual, we did a round of toasting and boasting, which is a pretty normal Germanic thing to do. And at that point, the guys either decided that our activities were boring or that it was private and they shouldn't stay. So they wandered off and they never did come back and we didn't find out really anything, you know, about what they thought or, or what their impression of the whole event was. But I felt like we had done, in, our, in a small way, our tiny part that day. First of all, I believe strongly in the virtue of hospitality. If someone comes to you and is respectful and is showing you the kind of decency and, and honor that you feel like people should be exchanging, you have to be hospitable. I don't care if they're Christians or Jehovah's Witnesses or bums from the street. There are coarse levels that you have to go to. You should not ever let someone take your picture or photograph you in ritual or do anything you're not comfortable with. And if they're cutting up and being disruptive, you definitely need to move them along. But if someone honestly just wants to know what you're doing and wants to watch... Uh, and everyone in your group is comfortable with that, I highly recommend it. I don't know why people are so scared of it. Today, of course, there weren't cell phones then with cameras, and every camera could fit in the palm of your hand, so it is possible now that they could have taken our picture and we wouldn't have known and what have you. Things are different, I suppose. But at that time, I couldn't see a problem with it, and I, I still really don't. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm kind of opposed to this huge doctrine of secrecy business. I think it uh, it makes a lot of people feel special, and that's fine, but it is really unnecessary in general. Now, I, I grant you, we were not people that were particularly concerned, or we wouldn't have been having a ritual in a public park, which is something we did regularly. None of us had small children. None of us were in fear for our jobs. Uh, you know, and if you are, if you're in fear for your job or you're worried about your kids getting razzed at school, fine. You know, keep your paganism more personal. And certainly I didn't go around telling the people I worked with. I just think this overarching sense that, you know, they, this uh, unknown they are out to get you. It For the millions of people that are pagan between the United States, Australia, Canada... And Europe, very few people are bothered about anything if they are not pushing their religion in other people's faces. You know, mind your own business and most people will mind theirs. But anywho, um, I felt like that was a really good 
experience. I still, I have no idea what those guys thought. They didn't say anything. We didn't talk to them afterwards. But I still felt like this was me sharing what mattered to me, saying what I'm doing is not a secret. It is not bad. It is not evil. And I'm going to demonstrate that by letting you stand there and watch. And I don't know, maybe they went home and laughed about it, thought it was ridiculous. Fine. I have no problems with that. I have no qualms. If they had wanted to come and eat with us afterwards, I believe we had brought some kind of snacks or food or something, that would have been fine with me. Um, and I believe more in hospitality now than I did then. So I just wanted to share that story. It was something I hadn't thought about in a long time. And my wife reminded me now that we're coming up to Yule that maybe I ought to bring that up in the show. So I have. Anyway, uh, this is going to close the show for today. I just want to hit a few points again. Uh, if you want to check me out on MySpace, there is a page for the show. It's Pagan Spirituality Today at MySpace. Why don't you uh, hop on there and become my friend? Also, I have a, an account at Pagan Space that is under the name Caveldrada. That's K V E. L-D-R-I-D-A at Pagan Space. Become my friend there as well. Uh, you can check out my long-form blog at paganspiritualitytoday.blogspot.com and uh, the show is on Podbean and I just sent the RSS feed to iTunes. It is not searchable yet. I haven't seen it there yet, but uh, they did accept the feed and hopefully the show will be on iTunes any day now. Um, I hope you all have a fantastic Yule, a Merry Yule, a Merry Christmas or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or whatever it is that you and your family are doing. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the new year. All right, everyone, take care. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.